Blog Talk Radio. My love ain't a prize. My love ain't a prize. Can't buy this woman. My love ain't a prize. And I reckon I know. Cause mama talk to so. ideas about what music is and and for me you know a lot of what's happening in my life now and where I'm at even at my age I'm I'm realizing that it, that it is my life so you know being a part of those award ceremonies or acclamations and stuff I guess it, it goes hand in hand with the job and you know Jerry Garcia would say you know even old whores gather respect with age and and I guess with that said or a fine wine gets better with with time uh, being recognized now at this point in my life, considering I've been doing it for so many years, as well as being a teacher, is a really big achievement for me now. And also in, in a literary fashion, being published and, and being a lyricist, 
uh, I struggled a lot in my early years as a dyslexic. Uh, Ed, can can I stop you there for a moment? I, I know, I, you know, this was on my mind before the show started. You know, I know you got all the accolades, and I know that's what you just mentioned how we got there. But um, I am India. I like to have uh, users, I guess, this uh, platform to kind of help artists understand and, and maybe take away something powerful from you. I guess a little bit about your journey. I guess that's what I'm trying to get to. I know you've been doing this a long time, and can you tell the listeners a little bit about that? How well, you get to yeah, where you absolutely. Are now. Like, I mean, beautifully put, my friend, because I mean, it, it is my life. I mean, as as you go through anything, I guess in life, you're 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 continually faced by hurdles and and achievements at the same time, and and hopefully by by getting through those things on the other side, you you realize something even stronger about yourself that can either help other people or empower yourself or everything that you're kind of doing. It's more than just taking home a paycheck. So for me, that struggle, as I mentioned, with language went into this mode where self-expression and music was instantaneous because as academically as I struggled, it was like, you know, jamming and hanging out with people and, and, and being together as young kids and writing tunes was all away from that. So I guess music sort of re-empowered me as a person. And, and philosophically, even some of my mentors, the people that I, you know, listened to, the people I, you know, tried to emulate, they all had something well, to say about... Sorry? Well, not to cut you off again, I'm sorry. What was your okay. first instrument? I mean, what, what, I mean where, was, where did that come from? Where, where did your love of music come from? What was the first instrument? I know you're well, a multi-instrumentalist now, but where did that come from? The house. The house was like three generations of people all living together. And my grandmother, as well as my brothers and sisters and my parents, they were always listening to music. There was an eight-track player in the car. I'm dating myself, you know. It was there. (laughs) Hey, I had a Craig eight-track in my car, too. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, man. You know what I'm talking about. And then there was the one turntable in the house with the portable like the suitcase version that everybody fought over. And then at the same time, it was like there was a radio in the kitchen. And then what was ever on TV? I mean, man, I grew up watching a lot of 70s uh, like social sitcom-like shows and some of the theme music. And all of that stuff was all bubbling kind of at the same time. And, and because of it, I was like, wow, this is like a whole world that let, for me, I saw like even some of the most you know, memorable moments, as dark as they are, coming home in the 1980s from school, people in my kitchen crying because, you know, people like Elvis Presley had died or John Lennon had been shot or Marley had had died. All of that stuff made me realize that, wait a minute, you know, this this thing, other than people buying records and dancing around the kitchen, means more to people. And I guess for me, that philosophical aspect sort of permeates my life and, and why I do what I do. And that makes perfect and it makes perfect sense. So your guitar is your primary instrument, would you say? Or is there such thing as a primary instrument? <laughs> bass is my thing, man. I love that. I love the bass. That's what I went to sort of study at school. Um, but I've, you know, there was a guitar in the house, so I played that. There was an old piano in the house, so I played that. Whatever, like, I think all musicians have that aspect to them, that they're dabbling in other things other than their principal instrument that they're working on. Because in some weird way, that sort of struggle or discovery process in front of something or holding something that you're not as comfortable with is sort of childlike, and it takes you back to that sort of feeling of like that experience that you had when you started to you know discover your own instrument, and even guy American keyboardist Kenny Werner he wrote a book called Effortless Mastery, and he talks about this same kind of thing. He, there's even exercises in the book where they're trying to get you away from your instrument so that you're thinking differently about it. So consequently, for me, that journey through other processes of other instruments. You know, and I may not be as virtuistic as other people, but for me, 
if I'm composing something or writing something and I have the vibe and the feeling, hey, man, why not? Like, it's like a kid in a candy store. Let's have fun. I want to play the kid. I want to get on, I want to get behind the organ. I, of course, I'm going to play the bass. That's what I do. You know, play the guitar <laughs> or the banjo. All of those things are just part of it. So where did your love from uh, writing come from? I mean, is that is a drawn? I know a lot of writers or songwriters, you know, they draw from their own personal experiences and and stuff like that. What is, what is your magic? <laughs> well, you know, I, I guess it, like it, everything, like like personal experiences, yeah. But you know, like I'm always talking to people and I seem to never shut up sometimes, but. The reality of it is is that I'm I'm always kind of logging stuff, you know, and I think a lot of artists themselves, you know, are like kind of filing cabinets for things and emotionally we're we're pushed or pulled by certain things in the life experience that makes you go, "Hmm, you know, I've been thinking about this conceptually that's sort of related to this and somehow navigating through this process sort of helps me figure out what I'm trying to say about what it is that's, you know, either bringing me down or giving me elation or any of those kinds of things. So, you know, and I never, I guess for me, you know, I'm I'm a bit of a weirdo when it comes to like, I don't try to put a process on it or I don't say, okay, I'm going to sit down today and, and write something. It's one thing if you're working on a record date for somebody else and you've got a bunch of tunes that you got to work on or but the writing process to me is is an emotional reaction, and that's where I find the most like validity in in the feeling of what happens in terms of the process. Otherwise, I, I find it to be contrived. Like you're looking too hard for something. There's there's also there's also the process of like, okay, well the initial spark is there, but I so often have have like set on that journey to say, well, here's what I think here's what I think the tune's going to be about. But in the end, as it starts to kind of pull you through the process, it shows you more than what you had expected. So I never try to to stop that. And, and, and I guess consequently that's why the music moves through different genres and different feelings and different kinds of, you know, one tune's a country number, one's a funky number, one's like, a, you know. I, I never try to put a rhyme or reason on that because that's that's where I kind of feel the art comes from in terms of an honest place. Mm-hmm. And I have to have after uh, I'm a music person too, pretty much all my life. And after uh, listening um, to your music, I mean, this particular line caught me, blurring the lines between pop rock, folk, and and country, and I mean, a little funk in there too. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it definitely does that. It, I mean, that's an accurate description, I guess. <laughs> Thanks, man. But I'm glad you mentioned the funky thing, too, because, like, man, I grew up listening to bands like Tower of Power and um, James Brown and so many other, like, heavy-duty, like, soul-related things that, for me, that message of soul goes across many borders. Man, you put me in a room with a good Latin band, and, like, you won't see me for the rest of the night. I'll be dancing. (laughs) Because it's, you know, you're laughing because you know that those interplays and counterpoints to rhythms and stuff exactly, going on exactly. in a twelve. You're like, my God, you just can't help but not. And, and for me, I guess when Ellington once said, and when I was a kid, I was like, man, he's just being pompous or something. But I get it now. He'd say there's two kinds of music: good music and bad music, and and it permeates all genres. You know, exactly. Jocko Pastorius said the same thing. He goes, man, hey, you know, if I played in a country band for a year, if it's good, you know, I, I have a ball doing it, right? So I guess that's what it is. It's the people and the mechanism of the energy, not only in the people, but in the music that makes that pocket, that groove, that feeling. And, and even little dabs of it are important, even in something that seems to be simplistic, because it, it 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 really kind of pulls the listener in in a different kind of way. So man, uh, yeah, the funk funk is good. <laughs> you absolutely you absolutely right. I I guess I got a greater appreciation uh, when I started going to uh, the international music conference and uh, meet them. And yeah. um, 
I started getting exposed to some music from some other countries, and I had to say, music is truly the international language. If it's if it's good, it's good anywhere. If it's good, it's good, you know. And if it's if it's not, it's not. You pretty much know that instantly too. Well, and because it, it's the person that's pushing. Look, like even if you have a Cadillac of an instrument, in comparison to like, look, I've seen some kids make some instruments in the West Indies or people, and the thing that's coming off of the the, the tune, the energy outweighs anything you could purchase to say, well, you know, this is a great guitar or a great instrument. Just that, That's passe in terms of thinking because ultimately it's that energy and, and, and what's being said, how it's even being proclaimed, even the most simplest things. Like, man, as complex as lyrics can be and take you down that path to this sort of like, my God, your whole day has changed because you think... Even the most simple lyrics can tip you emotionally over the edge just because of how hard they're pulling on the heartstrings. So, you know, it, 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 it's all about, it's all, even Carlos Santana said, it doesn't matter how complex it is, even if you play the most simplistic notes that a, a child would play, it's, it's a testament that if you do it right, you're greater than the sun. You know, and, you know Carlos is like, oh, okay, man. He gets it, right? He's always projecting. Absolutely, absolutely. Ed, we got we got some of your music uh queued up. I know I don't want to keep our listeners waiting much longer, but we have I Am Love queued up. Nice. Well the message is love. I mean, uh you know, I see a lot of crazy stuff just like you every day. Sometimes, you know, now I know why my grandfather used to sit around shaking his head when you'd be over people be telling him things that are going on. But, you know, social media is powerful as it is and, and, and at the same time important, I guess, in the 21st century. It's, it's alarming to see how, in a weird way, we're moving backwards in terms of our thought process about trying to love one another and, you know, the concept of great archetypes everywhere. We're trying to say this. Relinquish your anger. Relinquish your desire to be angry. To <coughs> Anger only begets anger. Violence only begets violence. Those things are the hardest things that even inside of a social situation in a community, a municipality, a state, a, a country, worldwide, we're always doing it as people inside of our own hearts. So you know it's important to try to pu- to, to to push that love button as hard as you can, man. Very well put. I think technology has helped us in one way and hurt us in another way. Uh, one way, selfishly speaking, it helped us be able to get our music across the world a whole lot quicker, and we could benefit in that, <laughs> that way. <laughs> but um, I but think in tool, another yeah. way, yeah. I think another way, you know, it hurt us because the negativity and the information is ran rampant. Right. You know? so, so that that whole part of it is crazy. And then I ask people now, you know, Ed, how many phone numbers do you know off the top of your head? You'd be surprised. I know them all, and I don't even use my phone. I still people are like baffled. They're like, you still have people. Okay. Because I kind of I kind of keep my my tool at a distance. Right. And I wish a lot of other people can do that because I even asked myself because I remember once upon a time, you know, we knew hundreds of numbers just off the top and didn't have to think twice about it. But now we've got so, um, we rely on technology so much, that whole part kind of went away. Hey, do you remember your first phone number? No, I don't. That's what I'm saying. I don't. And your first, I like when that, you were a kid, when you were a kid, and your mom said, "Okay, <laughs> no. here's your here's your address, here's your here's your telephone number, you know, da da da, be home before the lights come on." I know it was rotary before it was push button. I remember that part. Yeah, me too. Eight eight seven five six one six. I still remember. Uh, we'll see, boy. I, I know. And no area code required. No area code required. See, you bless. You remember all that stuff, man. I don't. <laughs> I'm working on it, though. 
Well, and people say it as weird as a dyslexic because you kind of develop photographic memories as a result. You know, don't say anything to Ed. You don't want to end up to be in a song. And I always say my my memory's my best friend and my worst enemy. So, you know, let it ride. Let it ride. Well, that's a good thing. Well, anybody just joined us, uh, we we talking to Ed Roman and um, call in numbers 347-308-8747. If you'd like to join the conversation, just press number one on your phone. We'd be glad to hear from you, and we will be nice to you, too. <laughs> All righty. <laughs> and in the meantime, turn the air conditioner on and let your windows down. Like I like to say, put your ears on this one. This is called I Am Love. Girl, Miss Dramaganza, mm-hmm, check. Lip gloss, check. Mascara, check. I am Indy with the homie K. Biddy, check, check. You listening to Blog Talk Radio, baby, and I love you for it. Mwah. 
Yeah, we back with our guest Ed Roman. Um, I guess that was some funky uh, country pop rock funk. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Stover, my manager in Pittsburgh, he was posting a couple of things. Going, what kind of tune is this? He was trying to put his finger on it, and I'm like, it's just music, man. People were coming back with all of those same answers that you just said. So it's like, hey, man, however it makes you feel, if it makes you feel good, that's what it's there for, you know? Hey, but but that's the magic. That's the magic right there. Because if you listen to somebody's music, and uh, I think the first thing you hear is is the groove, is the beat, is the music. And once you get the head bobbing, then automatically the next thing they do is tune into the lyrics. Then you got your message across. But if you don't get them to listen to you, it doesn't matter what you're saying. They're not going to hear it anyway. No, man, Maya Angelou said it doesn't matter what you say to people. In the end, it's how you make them feel that they'll remember you by them. Exactly, exactly. And then it's a co- totally a combination of both because later on, something that you said um, probably click in. A lot of times they click in later on down the road, you know what I mean, <laughs> before, they, before they get the true understanding of what you just said in that song. Well, that's it. And, like, <clears throat> For me, like, and you're from the same ilk and time frame, and you're a musician yourself, and you understand, sometimes, like, music takes time to grow on you. But like you said, there's that first, like, click, you're attracted to something. It's like when, you know, you see something, you're like, what is that? And and, and then, you know, even for me, too, like, because we're of that vinyl era, and, man, I still buy vinyl, and I still listen to it. Okay, on the radio... Wolfman Jack or whoever, whoever it was was spinning a title like a track, a title track or something that was the single. You liked it for the same reasons that you just said. But later, through the process of discovery of the record, like you listen to that tune and you can't help. Well, I'm not going to move the move the needle, right? But at the same time, you start falling in love with different bits of pieces of the information and different feelings that are also kind of meant to be a part of what that quote unquote album like a photo album represents. So it's like you're getting all those emotional memories from that from that adventure, that that trip that you took, you know? And 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 it's the same thing. I mean, I'll be the first to admit it's like, yeah, you hear a tune and then it's like not till like a month later that those certain lyrics set in, you go, "Oh, You know, and you're like, I'm not stupid, but like, man, I was just digging the groove before I figured out what it was that they were talking about. Yeah, that's powerful though, because you could even have a conversation with somebody and and you say something to them and they won't get it two days later. <laughs> you say that that man was just talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and he, I mean, did, and he did it so eloquently with a smile on his face, but he talked about my mother. <laughs> right, 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 right. You realize, yeah. Wait a minute, that was a double entendre. He, that was actually directed at me. And then you all of a sudden have this new newfound respect for the person because they were clever enough to navigate the situation in a way to not only make their point but leave you, leave you with that post-afterthought of like, wait, holy cow, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. 20 years ago on the road, just wait till I see him again. Just <laughs> <laughs> wait till I run into that fella again. We're going to have this conversation again. <laughs> well, it's one thing when you're maybe you're 80 and you're telling the stories a couple extra times, and that's okay with me. At that age, you reserve that right. But, you know, it's like, yeah. The other thing is, though, that some lyrical contents to certain things, I, I mean, it's so cut and dry. And, and you know, I, I, for me, you know, just like poetry or other things like we're just talking about, sometimes when you don't understand, but you, you do because you're attracted to certain sounds and words and the way that people are phrasing things, you know, it's like not until later that you figure out that there are multiple depths. So if, for me, if everything is laid out, it's like you watch the movie trailer and you're like, well, I just watch the movie. So you you kind of know that when you go to the film, you're like, oh, all the best parts were in the com- in the commercial. Some right. lyrical stuff like that, for me, I, I just go, well, I kind of know what this is, and there's got to be something else. 
And I guess that's in a weird way why musicians, and you must feel the same way, your pursuit for looking at music from elsewhere and other people's ideas sort of changes your whole perspective of what music is, you know. Absolutely. Ed, on another note, what does Ed do when he's not collecting all these beautiful and wonderful accolades? I mean, what do you do? You fish, you ride motorcycles, um, <laughs> oh, I mean, I mean, what what do you do to unplug? <laughs> unplug, man, it's, I cook. I mean, I love food. I'm, I'm, you know, people are like, oh, he's a foodie. You know, for me, look, I, I come from multiple generations of farmers, cattlemen. Uh, we, we always had gardens as kids. That's why when we were talking earlier, it was like, yeah, summer's here gardening. For me, that just quiet moment, unplugged from the machine, even television or whatever it is, for, mm-hmm. you know, two or three hours a day, is is like super important for me like because one for me I'm always talking about getting back into your love relationship with things and for me food and pharmacological issues along with health issues everywhere um, especially all over the western hemisphere is a big problem and you know even if you can't grow your own food you can support local growers and consequently, this builds a far stronger and healthier community that's municipally related to where your food comes from. But for me, even outside of the summer, I'm always trying to point out to people what they can do for themselves in such a short period of time. I post a lot of, I post a lot of things on social media about food and cooking, and um, because I, I I like that again that it's that tactical relationship for me. The growing, eating, and preparing is very artistic and similar to, in a way, to what music and playing music is. But it gives Same me shit. that empa- empowered feeling. You know what I mean? Of like I'm kind of living off the land for close to nine months of my life, other than buying some meat. But it's usually local and thing. So for me, that's the unwind part. I'm, I'm, I'm just chilling. I'm pulling weeds. I'm talking to my tomatoes, man. It's it's crazy, but it's true. <laughs> hey, I guess I'm over here laughing, Ed, because we, at first I started out with you talking about uh, unwind and unplug, but as I'm hearing you speak more, I'm thinking about how to get you plugged back in. Uh, actually, I'm working on a cooking show right now for, for with entertainers, so I'm working on a, uh, a country folk genre. So uh, I'm thinking about how I can get you plugged back in right now, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> well, I would love to because, it, and you know what, maybe it's kismet or whatever because for years I've been talking about this and other people have approached me saying, do you have a producer? We love your shows. Look, I put these little things called together like the faithful partner. Like my wife's away. She's coming home from work, so I'm cooking her dinner. Hey, guys, this is what I'm... All of those things led me to this musician's kitchen thing and I had a whole bunch of emails out to people where I wanted them to come and cook their favorite meal. But, you know, maybe not everybody's into cooking like I am. So uh, it's like, we, we we have to talk, Ed. Yeah, all right, all right. I have several other celebrities that's uh, already signed on to uh, do this cooking adventure with me. Very Actually, cool. the, show is called, the show's called Cooking with My Homies. <laughs> and, uh, I love it. <laughs> Yeah, so definitely, definitely, we're definitely going to talk about that when we off the air good, because good, you good. just brought a whole another element to the to the cooking and the growing stuff, you know. So I'm loving it, loving it, loving it. Quickly, um, you know, um, oh man, I'm just blown away on that one. But we'll get back to the cooking show. Uh, <laughs> how about you? How about your trip to Jamaica? Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, Jamaica. I mean, the West Indies. I mean, I love, like, I've been fortunate to have gone to Bahamas a couple times in my life and Barbados. But, you know, as he, even as a kid, Jamaica, even the name, conjures this, you know, root chakra, earth-based, you know, early part of our cultural development in the Western civilization, all of this history. I mean, you want to go into, like, pirates and... That's what it I always think about is the pirates. 
You know, yeah, you know, like, I mean, the third oldest bridge is in Jamaica in Spanish Town. And, I mean, that's that's a lot to say, considering all of the architecture that is even in Europe, for that matter. So, with that said, I mean, you know, for years I wanted to go, couldn't afford it, uh, talked about doing it. I mean, I fell in love with, with Bob Marley and Third World and Aswad and Jimmy Cliff and Peter Tosh and... Anything that kind of had to do with the reggae experience in my life from those eras came from there, you know. Um, so I wanted to go there. I, I wanted to feel the vibe. It's like people that want to go to Muscle Shoals to record because it's got a, a jus. It's got this feeling that's coming out of there. And and for me, that island, as soon as I got off the plane the first time, it's like it's like there's two big, huge electrical current, telluric currents that run underneath the island or something. And it, it's just, yeah, you're on, okay, you're on vacation, you're 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 in the sun, it's warm, there's red stripe and jerk chicken and all that other stuff. There's something, there's something else. There's something else. There's something else because the people are so oh, rich in terms of their cultural connection to themselves which is what we're missing in many ways in the Western Hemisphere. And, and yes, it is a, there's parts of, like, you know, my experience where it's like, okay, yeah, we went to a resort. But, man, in short time, we made friends with musicians and people that were on gardening staff and cooks especially because it's all food-related. So we decided that the, the, the number of times that we've been back – that we don't want to do that anymore because we were lucky enough to make friends with those people and go and see the island in a different way. That's not the the watered-down version. I mean, it's beautiful to be at a pool with jerk chicken and a swim-up bar and all that. But at a certain point, you're like, okay, well, like, I'm just – it gets a little monotonous. You don't feel like you're really, like, doing anything. And, you know, they pay, you have to pay people a lot of money through the resorts sometimes to go out, but – for us, we found a whole new life. Like, and, and not being afraid, that's the other thing. Like, so many people are like, well, you can't leave the walls and security and da-da-da. <laughs> Look, I, 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 people said, don't go to Kingston. The very first thing, man, that I did is I, I, I bought an, a little acoustic guitar, and I went to Kingston. And I played. And had a blast. I know you had, I had a blast. I had a blast, man. <laughs> I, had, I had 250 people. At one point, they were standing around in front of this little store complex with some dumpsters, and it was a four corners, and I was just like, what is going on here? Like, and, and I just felt like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. There's places maybe in Trenchtown you don't want to go at night or maybe in right. District 3, but I'd say it's, it's, it's normal. But I'm not – it showed me, man, that this fear concept, again, the, the last track you played, Love, how is it that you go through life? always being afraid you even so eloquently put it's like the fight or flight button mechanism is always on because of all this trauma that's always coming right at us. and I, once i realized that i was lucky enough to have the realization i went oh i gotta keep coming back here and you know because of the people we met we're godparents to a little girl there so it's like having family uh you know we send shipping barrels of stuff for people to uh African Zionist Methodist church that's there for people to be able to disperse stuff that everybody needs from clothes and stuff that we gather from neighbors and but all of that whole thing has enriched our lives in a, in a completely different way. It's not like yeah, we own a big condo on the edge of a beach and come and you know get loaded every day. That's not what it is. It's more we're living life, you know, and exactly. and that's why I even wrote the tune, like Jamaica from the last record. It was like, I wanted to pay homage. You know, I wanted to somehow say, I love you, Jamaica, you know? And, and, but, you know, and when I get, when I've told people about my experience, that's the, you know, you know, you're the white cat that's just left the resort. You've been gone for 17 and a half hours. You get back, you walk down to the little beach bar because nothing else is open at one o'clock in the morning. There's all these people standing around, and you start telling stories, and they're all looking at each other like, what did we do today? 
you know. <laughs> you know like, yeah, we were up through like you know Claremont, and then we saw we were up at Nine Mile, and I actually got to meet Bob's, you know, his his cousin and his uncle Fozzie was there, and then da 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 da, and then we went back through Brownstown, we played some football, and had jerk chicken on the side of the road. They're all looking like you know, what did we pay for, right? And I guess that's what it was for me then. It was the it was their realization of what I that made me realize this is far richer than I know. Exactly. I have a blast every time I go there to Matigo Bay, Kingston. I mean, oh. uh, the, the the culture is hypnotic, you know, and and the, the, just the music, the food, and and just all that, you know. We stayed at a little place in just in uh, Oricabessa, just outside a race course. Papa Curvin, Curvin Merchant, the reggae artist, mm-hmm. he's got four little cabins. And it's actually a, a little recording studio as well, too. So it's like a hub for musicians and artisans. So it's like I'm in heaven when I'm there. That's like our jump point. It's pretty much in the middle of the island. Oh, wow. I can imagine. I can imagine. Let's go to your, um, let me see, Red Omen. We have that song queued up. Uh, tell us a little bit about that one. Well, I guess, you know, I mean, it, people must re- realize it's it's like a an anagram and a play of my own name. And as we were talking, as, you know, the words and lyrics and, and, and being a bit of a linguist, I guess you might say, I start to realize, and, and I've listened to a lot of other people talk about this stuff, and language is a phenomenal thing. It's a fascinating thing that it's changing and, and, in, a, in a way that it is becoming iconographical. Um, it's becoming acronym-based. It's becoming emoticon-based. It's becoming all of these things that, you know, in many ways that we take for granted and as you so had early put, that it's like a help and a hindrance in terms of what the 21st century offers as technology. Think of it. You push an icon on your phone. It computes millions of bits of information. You and I can share video, photos, talk to somebody in China, Singapore. It doesn't matter. All of that is, is phenomenal when you think about how we are now communicating. And I guess for me, I see it as an omen. I see it as a, uh, I see it as a good thing. I see it as a bad thing, because as much as you and I were lucky enough to live in those time frames with rotary phones, we still recognize there was something else different culturally that was that we're 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 we're, we're losing, we're letting go of. Um, True. I mean, you know, we have commercials here in Canada for participation and exercise. Uh, and, and health and well-being sort of um, thing in Canada. And there's pictures of empty ball courts with balls with sad faces and lonely, I'm so lonely. There's this tune playing in the background. And it's like people aren't, like, you know, out playing ball or hanging out in the park or there's little concerts happening just because. That was a lot more active when I was a kid all through the 70s and 80s anyway. And, and I guess for me, the Red Omen is me. The little story that's being told all through that tune are things that actually happened to me. The the second uh, uh, verse of the tune is I'm I'm talking about Mike Stover. I'm talking about a buddy of mine, Ken Segrist, who uh, you know is from the military that introduced me to to Mike and and said you know you got to talk to this guy in Pittsburgh. He's a good guy to hook up with. All of that is kind of you know talking about me, but at the same time it's talking about the language because I'm a storyteller. I'm I'm trying to summate all of those ideas in that sort of one one framework uh of of what the song is. So and, and, and you know that's the thing too. It's like language again as it, as it grows and changes, so do we as a result. And sometimes we use that language and we don't even know what it means even though that we use it. So, you know, I'll say to somebody, "Well, what's a mortgage?" And, and invariably their answer would be something like, well, the bank gives you a loan so you can buy your house, start a business, whatever it is. Yes, it's true, but it comes from the Latin, two different Latin words, morta and gauge, mort, uh, mort being death, uh, mortician. This is where the word mortician comes from, right? Uh, post-mortem, right? And, and gauge, to grip something, to grab it, 
you put those two words together and it actually means death grip you know so when you when you think wow that's a pretty potent thing to call a word yet every one of us has one but at the same time when you really realize what the word means you and I are both giggling now but you might go man that's a little messed up yeah I have another saying too uh, Ed I say he who created the game also created the rules <laughs> yeah but Bob says from his master says who whoever digs at the pit shall fall in it History History is written by the victors Yeah that may be so But I don't know Time will tell eh Again there's another Bob Absolutely Absolutely (laughs) Yeah absolutely Listen man we're going to play Red Omen here And uh, we'll be right back with you Right on Right on Lunchbox and a bathtub full of Legos. And I didn't believe you when somebody said that he fled with Jimi Hendrix to a UFO top eight camp up on Machu Picchu. Up on Machu Picchu. I said, Excuse me, it's not my fault. He's playing the crime so he can't get caught. I said, Excuse me. I must confess, well, give me two words. Well, in my defense, life is mad. I'm laughing mad. Laughing mad. There's a red hot stove down in Pittsburgh going out hard like a cherry pie. Never call me a liar, say it to my face Like a cross between Benjamin Franklin and Ian Pace And, and I didn't believe the man from MI6 Living out in the sticks Who souped up his side by side Like evil Knievel Just like evil Knievel I said, excuse me It's not my fault He's playing the crime So he can't get caught I said, excuse me
My fault. <laughs> We're all products of our environment, aren't we, my friend? I always say that, boy. You took that one out of the top of my head right there. <laughs> we hey, all are true. products of our environment. You can't get away from that one. No, no, it's not my fault. That's the way it rolled, you know. Hey, why is that happening? Ah, I'm a child of the 70s. That's all you need to know right now. Ha. I got to work with uh, Tom Petty yesterday. Oh, oh, homage my hat, sir. I, like, yeah. what, you want to make me weep? I'm God. <laughs> oh, Tom, no, I have so uh, much respect. Oh, man, I don't know what to say. Are you familiar with the new show, uh, Showtime show, uh, Roadies? No. Okay, it's a new Showtime it's a new series show. called uh, Roadies. I'm writing it down. Yeah, and it talks about the stuff, you know. I'm sure you got Roadies. It just, just talks about the music business and all the backstories, you know, and all the uh, the stuff that we all went through one time or another being out on tour. It's an interesting uh-huh. show, though, you know. Uh, I could imagine uh, because, sometimes. you know, Jackson <laughs> Brown has been on there. and. Um, oh. Oh man, I gotta check this. You're giving me shivers, man. I gotta check this show out. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. I think this is the third season, so hopefully they'll stay around. You see, that's the thing, man. Like, God, you said it. Like, okay, (laughs) it's one thing, you know. Okay, to be playing the music, writing the tunes, putting out the records, playing the shows, doing all that. What it is. But, you know, like so often you sit around with other cats and you're talking about stuff and you bring up funny stories and things. I mean, you got to see from a different perspective how all of those connections to other things that music has brought to you enriches your life other than the accolades. The accolades are nice. It's nice doing those things but and the rush and having a great audience and all that other stuff. But it, you sit back and it's like almost the same thing with growing with growing a garden, you're like, at the end of the season, you're like, damn, I'm glad we did that. Yeah, you see you see the fruits of your labor. Right. And again, oh. like like a lyric, sometimes it's hard for us to see it in the process. Mm-hmm. You know, Paulo Kalelo wrote a book a number of years back called The Alchemist. And really the whole point of the book was the kid, you know, was told he's got treasure at the pyramids and he's got to go from Spain to Egypt and when he gets there he realizes there's nothing but sand in these pyramids but the process and how long it takes him to get there the people he meets the things he sees the lessons he's learned that's the gold absolutely it's all about the journey all about the journey it's all about the journey boy and how often do we forget that until Something happens to uh, uh, make us stop, and 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 what the old people used to tell us. Sometimes, boy, you just gotta slow down and smell the roses. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I never knew what that shit meant, but I do now. You know what I mean? Hundred percent, a hundred percent. I'm trying to listen more to my mom because she's gonna be eighty in September than I ever have. At 46 years of age of my life Because she's trying to remind me of those things I tell her what I'm doing every week She's like, well, you got to slow down just a bit You know, every day is a gift You know, and I'm like, I know, I'm busy, I'm busy I'm da-da-da-da-da-da-da You know, at the same time She's like, yeah, you're ready To stop and smell the roses is important (laughs) I just lost a, found out I lost a friend Today, uh, 45 years of age She passed away complications to diabetes She fought it all of her life I, it's okay, man, and I actually even dated her for a while, but it was that group of friends of all people that knew each other, different high schools, but we all kind of, and you think, man, like, my buddy sent me the text, he's like, hug someone you love, and it's like, you know, he's my age, and that statement is something like a grandparent would say after something like that, but, man, my mom's right, every day's a gift, and, and you never know, we we come into this world, poof, Start touching things and asking questions, and before you know it, you're doing stuff that you love to do, hopefully, and then all of a sudden, one day, you might not be here. So I guess even, you know, with you, 
myself included and a lot of musicians, a friend of mine just even posted something about this the other day. It's like, look, man, even if we're not like making millions of dollars in this, this people say, well, it's a pipe dream and da-da-da-da. Look, again, it ties into what does your life experience represent to you? How is it connecting to what you're doing, what you're feeling, how you're relating to people, you know, how you're living your life? To me, even aside from going to music lessons or being in band or whatever, going through the process of it, that's like after the fact you start to realize, wait, there's so much more than just the mechanics. The mechanics are always there. You're always hopefully growing, learning, trying to understand more about your craft. But, you know, still again, it, it translates back to that, that journey, that line of why am I doing this? You know, I think a lot of musicians and writers, aside from, well, they may be inspired by certain things, just like we all are as kids or whatever, but there's some kind of like little button in you that's there going, you know, you're doing this for a reason. Even that last tune, I'm a messenger. You know, I've always kind of had that feeling as a kid, even when like... You know, I'd be like trying to break up an argument in the kitchen, singing John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt into an old lamp. You know, that was like I realized how powerful that that energy is. So for me, I, I don't take it lightly, and it, it permeates every aspect of who I am. So I, you know, <laughs> it's like a religion, man. Well, Basically, what I've came to the conclusion of, uh, I get pissed off, you know, with my record, my record business, my publishing company and stuff. I get pissed off and tell people sometimes, well, if I wanted to be a teacher, I would have went and gotten some school someplace. But, right. and but the flip side and the true story that, and uh, don't tell nobody. But I already know that's who I am, you know, and I use this, I use this form, you know, and everything I do to inspire and help and ultimately um, that's the foundation to it all, you know, uh, you know, the music, the message and everything we touch, you know, you, you want to at least know that your life stood more than walking around stepping on ants every day. <laughs> right. Or, I mean, it's fine to collect a paycheck and do a good job and provide a a quality thing to people that need it. That's we need all kinds of people in our world to do a multitude of things. But you're right. It 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 goes back to that same thing. It's like, look, you know what? Even like you know, you set out to write a tune. There's a reason why you're doing it. Are you're learning from the process, and then by proclaiming it in whatever you're doing. You, that is the teacher. That is the aspect in everyone. You know, come on. You know how many musicians we know that are also teachers. I mean, I taught for I taught for twenty five years myself, so I know it's like, well, this is a skill. There's a reason. I mean, even Dizzy Gillespie had this headspace. He'd be like walking down the street. I'm like, oh my God, Dizzy Gillespie. And some other cat would come up and ask him a question about something. Dizzy would pull them into a cafe. And start writing on a napkin about something that would be like, well, yeah, he's got a question about, like, you know, an inversion and the chord inversion on, on this thing. And I want to, you know, explain it to you. That's what it's always been about. So even if we yeah. weren't playing, we were always teaching in some way that you said it perfectly. We're trying to inspire or reflect in some way that makes us realize we have a different potential. Red, not to cut you off, sir, but we're down to the last minute and a half of the show. Ow! I want, and I want you to tell our listeners how they can get in contact with you, where they can see you real quickly. And I know we can go on for another two hours, but we got another <laughs> two minutes. So give them that so they can come get Ed, you. EdRoman.net. You can come there anytime. And my social networking buttons are there for Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Check me out on SoundCloud, Special Ed Roman. You can check out my YouTube channel. It's the same thing. It's all the same, Special Ed Roman. Uh, I'm going to be at the um, Copper Kettle over in Glen Williams, Ontario Peeps, on the 5th, and again on um, Mad River Rock, sorry, on the 13th in Singhampton. So come and check me out here in Ontario. Summer shows. Lots of fun. All right, Ed, it's been a blast, man. We definitely had a great time talking to you, man, and I know you can continue, man, blowing up the charts and doing great stuff, and uh, I'm going to highlight you about the cooking show real soon. Please, will you, and I I want to stay in contact, PM me 
or do whatever you need to do because uh, I'm really interested in that and it's something I'm I'm passionate about. And thank you for thinking of me, my friend. Absolutely, man, and it's been great, man, and much love and uh, continued uh, success, man. And we got you back, man. We're gonna continue to play you. Come back time. Right on. Let me know when it's up in podcast, and I will share it again and again. Oh, it, it'll be up in about three minutes. Awesome, dude. Thank you. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good day, man, and holler at Michael Force. All right. Yeah. I'm a radical. I am a yeah. I'm a messenger. I'm back, man.